1: From
2: Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Riegel. It's business, Baton Rouge style.
3: Hi, I'm Stephanie Riegel. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Though Louisiana isn't known for being an IT hub particularly, Silicon Bayou has produced some pretty impressive tech companies over the years. Some that are not only helping clients better manage their data and run more efficiently, but others that are actually revolutionizing the way things are done and rewriting all the rules. Joining me is Mike Cormacy, president and co-founder of Watch Systems, a nearly 20-year-old IT company that is well-known to law enforcement agencies around the country because of its flagship product, Offender Watch, a sexual offender management and community notification software that's used by more than 3,500 law enforcement agencies around the country. Before Offender Watch, there was no comprehensive registry for sex offenders. So think about what that means. Every jurisdiction and state had its own system for monitoring and managing sex offenders, and they didn't talk to each other. Well, Offender Watch has changed all that. Mike is originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and got his degree in economics from Kansas State, but his wife is from South Louisiana, so when they had the opportunity to be closer to her home, they took it, and they've been here ever since. Mike, it's a great story, great company to have in Louisiana. Welcome to Out to Lunch.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks.
3: Thanks. With me and Mike at the table is Ben Charbonnet, a pioneer in the local IT community. Ben got his start as information systems director at the local CPA firm Postal Wade in Netterville in 1969, back when information systems meant something very different than it does today. In 1984, he went out on his own and founded CMA Technology Solutions, which shrewdly capitalized on the growing number of businesses that were just beginning to go digital at that time. CMA sold, installed, and serviced IBM equipment to business clients. Today, as the Internet and cloud computing have changed the face of IBM and, of course, the whole computer industry in general, CMA has grown and diversified to provide a variety of hardware and software solutions for its customers across three states. Ben is a native of Baton Rouge. He is also a well-known runner locally, a race director in his spare time, and restores antique British cars, most recently a 1963 Porsche 356. Ben, great to have you here, too. Welcome to Out to Lunch.
2: Thank you very much, Stephanie. I'm looking forward to it.
3: Good. Well, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Offender Watch serves several functions, so it's an internet-driven, integrate database where offenders can register. Right? It monitors and tracks them across jurisdictional lines and automatically provides community notifications, say when an offender's address has changed. So y'all have really changed the way sexual offender management is done.
1: At the local am I overstating n- it, n- or is, n- are y'all that no. that great? It's. It, uh, Most people think that law enforcement cooperate across jurisdictional lines. And over the years, you saw it with 9-11, many abduction cases, people will say, well, what does the agency on the other side of the county think or have information? And often it's, you can't get it. So 20 years ago, we came up with this concept of using the internet as backbone, where every agency would be able to collaborate on a common record. And so that's what we've built. And when you think about it, 20 years ago Facebook didn't exist. Right. So this is almost like a Facebook application for law enforcement to collaborate on bad b- people.
3: So cool.
1: Yeah. Now,
3: like 60% of law enforcement agencies are using it. Is that true? We actually or?
1: carry about 60% of the national offender population goes through the network at one point or another. So an example being, statutorily, if an offender moves from East Baton Rouge to West Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge has to notify West Baton Rouge we simplify streamline the process all East Baton Rouge does is record that address and the network automatically notifies the other county so now they know the person's coming I'm working on a project right now with ice so when ice releases an illegal who's been convicted of a registrable sex crime it will automatically notify the sheriff's office based on the address and now they know the bad guys coming
3: Why just sex offenders? Is it because of the notification, the law that requires them to notify? No, it's a good
1: question. It's a combination of the two. Yeah. Um, Nationally, offenders, based on the severity of the crime, have to come into a sheriff's office, police department, or a state once, twice, or four times a year based on what they were convicted of. So, in fact, a better way to look at it is there's 14 types of person files at the FBI. Sex offenders is one missing persons is another but missing persons don't come into the sheriff's office and say hey I moved to a new address
3: I'm missing (laughs) right
1: or or people of interest or suspicious individuals don't come in and say hey I got a new tattoo all of those provisions apply to sex offenders they have to come in any time they've had a physical description change or change of their address they're required to come in and notify so that a database can be updated and therefore the public aware of who's in the neighborhood.
3: So interesting. So many good questions I have to follow up. But Ben, I want to bring you into the conversation, because when you hear about what a company like Watch Systems is doing, you realize, like, wow, how far, you know, the whole IT world has grown in really just a short time since you founded CMA in 1984. And what was your original vision back then?
2: Well, my original vision was to provide uh, quality professional services to to companies, corporations. We don't do... um, and the individuals, it's all uh, small to very, very large businesses. We, we have some international clients, actually. But um, it was, it, at that point, it was, the whole the industry was changing. Yeah. Um, the, the IBM PC came, a, came out in 1983, and that changed everything. So uh, I was working with post Netterville, and we had a... Large service bureau,
3: and y'all would have had like a mainframe computer in at Postal Way yeah. in Netterville back in those yeah. days. Yeah, it was
2: a, it was a small a small multi user system. Okay. It wasn't as big as a mainframe, but it was a big it was a big change in um, when IBM came out with uh, computers that could be affordable to business to smaller mm-hmm. businesses. So the service business service bureau business was where you would bring your your pay stub or your, your time cards in. And we would process the time cards, and we would do your inventory. So, and it was all back and forth like that. Right. And was a very it was the largest CPA firm, and so they kind of had a built-in customer base. And so it was, it was very good. But when the, the IBM PC came out in about 84, I think it was, then you could buy a computer for about $3,000 and a program for another $500 or $600 and do your own payroll and do your own inventory. So uh, at wow. that point- you know, I, I, I could see that there were, uh, there was a reason, well, I could see that the service bureau business was going to decline, but then all these companies that were buying their own systems, they were going to need support. Sure. They didn't know anything about computers. And so, um, and
3: so y'all were like the local IBM guys, right? Yes, I mean, you we serviced were. and supplied, and the only IBM guys. They and, were, and no, 1984,
1: I've, that was visionary, man. <laughs> it was. I'm telling you, no one saw the local, the small PC thing taken off. No, you, you really yeah. didn't. You really didn't. But then did. was a
3: visionary. I mean why we are right. gonna no, have some schmuck on the it show is. with you. It is. And
2: it, it you know, it was it was amazing what people would do with these small machines. And back then the operating system wasn't solid. So I mean the machines would lock up and you'd have to reboot the old remember the old term the blue screen to yeah. death? When right. When the blue screen came up and nothing happened, you had to start over. So that was uh, that was, it wasn't, It when it first came out, it wasn't really, um, I want to say, uh, ready for primetime. Mm-hmm. But uh, people were, were very, very in, ingenious and create, creative. And IBM, they opened up the PC architecture so that other hardware manufacturers could build add-ons. And so that's where the networking came about. So you'd have one PC and then you could tie other networks together. So you had more... And over
3: the years, y'all grew to provide those services. Oh yeah, too? we yeah. sure we
2: did. Yeah, so we were, we were one of the very first IBM business partners in Baton Rouge, and what that a business partner was back in those days. Those days, is IBM realized, well, most people don't realize that IBM is a manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. They manufacture hardware. Mm-hmm. So, to use the hardware, you have to have programs. So they were going into more smaller business, and they couldn't support the smaller businesses on there. That, that wasn't their business plan. So they associated themselves with local companies like we were right. and in what they call a business partner program. So we'd go out together with IBM and hand in hand, and we would sell the, software, sell the hardware, the IBM hardware, and we would get a commission for that, and we would sell our software, our software package, and all the support and installation yeah. and conversion that went along with it. So it was a beautiful, That's it was great. A beautiful thing. It, that uh, is so That cool. was really probably the, the uh, thing that made us uh, successful.
3: Well, speaking of, of technology, and of course everything's so different today, but Mike, um, you all actually designed the software. I mean, are you the person who came up with the software, and then you all still do this in-house, and you're constantly working on new software? packages we're
1: uh we've got 14 full-time and on-site developers great group of guys you know you shove cheetos and mountain dew (laughs) under the door and they'll just work all (laughs) through the night (laughs) they a very dedicated group of people and you know the way we came up with the idea was we were always suspicious if the deputies were really registering as many offenders (laughs) as they were so i had the system send me an email every time they registered someone and i was like this is ridiculous I'll just have it send it to me when they're around the office, and that's how we came up with the idea of send an email to a citizen okay. based on an address proximity.
3: How do you all get paid? What what is the model? Thing? We have a,
1: get, it's an it's a, uh, we started some twenty years ago. It was uh, software as a service, so it's a SaaS model. Okay, and so we provide the only thing an agency needs to do this is um, a uh, PC with an internet connection
3: interesting yeah. but
1: louisiana has been a pioneer in in doing this it's oh uh, say
3: that again louisiana's been a pioneer something really good? A, oh no it's yeah. been uh
1: you know this goes back 20 years and so yeah. when working with sheriffs across the state of louisiana the the burden of on them statutorily is very high yeah. so they had to find something that helped them comply with the law and the reason is the public has a zero tolerance when it comes to not knowing where your sex offenders are. They have a zero tolerance for that. So, there's, um, it's been um, a terrific way of leading the country. And this goes back when Mary Landrieu was in sure. um, Congress and David Vitter. I used to work constantly on educating them, and it was because the the real true laws started here in Louisiana. Wow most people don't know that
3: no I certainly didn't Ben Ben how has y'all's business model changed over the years obviously now with IBM has had to shift what it does because the whole computer world and with cloud computing what are you all into now
2: well we're uh, our business has been evolving to more of services service based than hardware based uh, if you can I can remember when uh, postal 8 Neville bought their first computer it was like a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> and it had seven and a half megabytes of disk storage so, with, <laughs> Gosh, so that's th- things, have, believe, things have changed very much and yeah. uh, as as the uh, industry has changed as the cost of, of hardware has come down and the capacities mm-hmm. have gone up we had to change our business model because you can't make a mo- you can't make a money a living on just selling hardware
1: Not and anymore, a little no. bit of
2: software services yeah. So uh, as things have evolved, uh, we we have changed our, our business in that we still sell a lot of hardware, but it's bigger hardware. We don't uh, sell much uh, to small small businesses, even though in the beginning <laughs> it was kind of funny we sold we sold to everybody, anybody that would buy anything. But the bit, but it was quite different back then.
3: And and you have other partners now besides just yes. IBM, isn't that right?
2: Oh y- yes, we go across the whole line. For a long time, we were. Pretty much 100% IBM, and then you know as IBM has changed, uh, IBM sold their their PC division, right. and now have Lenovo and uh, the servers. So we we now sell we sell all across the board. We sell a lot of storage, a lot of NetApp storage. We sell Cisco uh, for, for uh, communications and and virus virus protection. Oh sure, oh sure. yeah, sure. That's, that's a very very big deal. That's huge. So. Uh, we do. We still do a lot of very high-end services when we sell a big machine, and there's a lot of components to integrate, different different hey. software vendors to integrate. We sell there. Uh, we we have a group that does very high-end services.
3: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Ben Charbonnet of CMA Technology Solutions and Mike Cormacy of Watch Systems. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Ben Charbonnet of CMA Technology Solutions and Mike Cormacy of Watch Systems. What is the competitive landscape for your respective companies? I mean, is there, are there a lot of other companies doing what Watch Systems is? I,
1: we actually don't have a commercial competitor. Not at all. None. None. It's no a real world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but each state is statutorily mandated to provide something. So if you really think about it, I have 50 unique individual competitors that are only concerned with what happens within their boundaries and um the government business model is a very difficult one um they're very you know the the Mm territorialness the the idea that well i don't really have to do anything for the state of idaho i'm louisiana so right but those offenders are migrating all across the country all the time Mm -hmm. and so there has to be some bridge and it's so that's what we do, is we work as a partner. We're not really a vendor. We're a partner to state government. Much like Ben said earlier, we are the sex offender registry system for 18 statewide contracts. Yeah, wow. That means we're part of their IT department. We're part of their public safety group, the the law the local law enforcement. So the Sheriff and Police Chiefs Association, we're integrated in the Department of Corrections.
3: For those other 32 states, though, what, what are they using? We
1: have either some local presence in those states where we're working with the sheriffs or the police chiefs, or they're using or in the progress, process of migrating towards some of our other programs. So they don't, what we did, much like what Ben has said, is we used to say, well, this is the whole thing, Take, this is the only thing I offer. But once we started to realize that what communities needed was more accurate, unified information, what states need is a seamless transition from state to state, we've developed other tools that allow them to still maintain what they use as their core system. So it might have had a technical lifespan, and they're not done with it. made a significant capital. Right, a legacy system. You don't have to start over. Right, and so we we come in with something that we can put on top of it that allows them to gradually transition so that we can get the ultimate goal, which is 100% of all the offenders in one environment so that local, state, federal agencies can use it. And I'll give you a great example. have got okay. one more minute to tell you yeah. about. So a number of years ago, they had a, a guy in South Africa that was distributing child porn. Okay. And he was using DVDs in the United States Postal Service as his means of distributing it. Well, when they seized when Interpol seized his computer, the forensic group found that there was about 100,000 addresses in the United States that had taken this postal service oh, package wow. that had a DVD in it. <laughs> wow. So they have an investigative group at the postal service and what they wanted to know was if they gave us all 100,000 addresses if we would be able to bounce those against the historical address file to say was there a sex offender ever living at that address at the time the package was delivered. So you can see the importance yeah. of having one national unified system so that you could identify. The, well, sure. the real beauty of what we have developed is that... Um, Not only could I tell you who was living at an address during that time period, but I could tell you where they are now because he's now registered at a different jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Fascinating. We're also developing new tools. Fascinating. Yeah. So you have to have that national file. The other thing we're developing are tools so that if you can get an email when someone moves within a mile of your house, wouldn't you want an email when they were on social media with your kid? Of course. So we'll be rolling that out here in the next couple of months nationally. Really? And so, and do you get like
3: a patent for something like that or? A we've actually, filed, you know, oh. we
1: actually filed for a patent because it, the way we're going about it is very unique, but again, it's something that as a parent, five kids, I would want to know if someone was bad person interacting posing as someone else, of especially course. if they're posing as a 12-year-old. Oh. Yeah, so
3: that's very impressive. Ben, what about your competitors? Who's out there?
2: Well, um, we, we don't have any real local competitors for hardware. Okay. We have uh, national so vendors. So y'all
3: still pretty much control the Baton Rouge market.
2: Well, I wouldn't say control, <laughs> but we do, we do a lot of business. because okay, uh, we have great. We've been in business for, for 35 years, right. and we actually have some customers that were with us 35 years ago.
3: That's great. Uh,
2: but uh, it's, it's changing. The whole the whole business is changing. Uh, people are going back to... Well, when, when I first started, you, a small business couldn't afford a computer. So you either did service bureau or you did online, where you had a remote terminal mm-hmm. to the computer, to the big mainframe. And that was very expensive because then you had dedicated telephone Which lines did, sure. and it was not very fast and reliable and all that. So what is, has changed so much is that... Uh, the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet has changed everything. Mike, you wouldn't be in business without the internet. Hmm. And uh, also, as I mentioned before, the hardware technology, the, the changes are made. I mean, the storage. Uh, you probably don't even know the number of terabytes of storage. A terabyte is a trillion. So I mean, now, you know, that's yeah. that's what it's measured in, and it's it's online and it's off in the cloud, which means it's off at a data center somewhere. But that's all connected. Via the internet mm-hmm. So without the internet There'd be so many businesses That wouldn't be in business Of course So what's happened now Is you have a small business That if, if I was consulting With a new business I would tell them Find a package That's specific to your industry And buy a subscription to it online Okay you that's don't... what I was going to ask you
3: Because they can right I mean yeah. that's oh, yeah. sure
2: And, and you, don't, you don't need I have a, my, one of my very good friends Is a veterinarian and um, he had—he was one of the pioneers. Also, he wrote his own software and all that. And so, he's—he's he's now going to has gone to an online system where it's everything is is via the internet. Sure, it's and easy. As as the industry changes,
3: does that make a company like yours obsolete eventually? Oh no, oh, no. no, it doesn't okay. make
2: doesn't make us obsolete, because you still have the you still have the local uh, users. So what we've migrated to and not completely but it's it's becoming a bigger part of our business is the services for um, supporting the local mm-hmm. area, help desk sure because a smaller business they don't have anybody in in on staff to help with just the daily problems because you're gonna have daily problems right so they contract with us we sell them a contract and we're there at level one help desk.
3: That's great. So if
2: the, the, the secretary has a problem with her, her printer or her machine doesn't come on properly, she calls us and we take care of the problem.
3: You mentioned data centers, and, and I think that's so interesting because I, w- I was wondering what kind of servers, what kind of massive servers up in the cloud somewhere is holding all that data that, that you talked about, Mike. I mean, do y'all ever worry about these data centers crashing? I mean, there is a machine somewhere that is holding all of this information that is not just watch systems data or, we, but I mean, every, Amazon's data and Facebook, I mean, is this sustainable? I mean, is it, is it unlimited, infinite that all of this information can be somewhere on machines, given that we're human beings and that the machines that are holding them are made by human beings and there are natural disasters and wars and pestilence and all sorts of things that could... You
1: know, it used to be, and I remember when I was first learning to drive... Okay. Cars didn't have the computer chips and stuff in them, right? Right. So, but you constantly had car trouble. Like I remember, my parents' (laughs) van had an automatic choke, and so when it was cold, you know, it took us forever (laughs) to get the car started.
3: Sometimes the car. Now you go
1: outside, you put your key in, and you're driving out the driveway. You got heated seats. Yeah. Well, technology has come to the point where it's almost the same. Okay. We have a redundant backup system to the backup system and um, the hosting environment that we have is actually a three level so you have a production a QA and a development environment and when we rotate them so when we come out with a new version the experience to the user is it's a just they don't even realize it wow Um, I was actually in a hosting environment and when the power goes out you don't even realize it went to battery right That is The lights don't even flicker. It's that fast, and and those are batteries. Um, Was it? Oh, I've got my new iPod Bud things that are wireless. (laughs) Uh Okay. Uh Do you have them? No. You need them. They last like five hours, and it's this little thing that fits in your ear. It's amazing what they've done with technology and power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you look at what are the things that cause an outage, it's power. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten as a, a country and the world has developed this concept of rolling to a battery and redundancy that is so fast you don't realize it. So we invest heavily in the backup recovery environment and it's because we have everybody you, have is, you know I mean we're all into that and it's not just it's
2: not just uh, it's not just the batteries I mean you have a fully redundant system I mean you have two two systems that are identical and when you make a a change do a transaction on one system it immediately makes a transaction on the other system so one is sitting over here just it's not idle right it's just it's just mirroring the other system so if you have a failure on system one system two immediately comes up interesting and uh back to the old thing about the cost of hardware has come down so much. You manufacture these things. I mean, in, you know, in a, a, a disk drive right. uh, that holds, you know, a, a billion characters of information the size of a quarter.
3: Yeah, yeah and, it's, it's and mind-boggling. It, 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 it
2: really is. is. I, don't, I, don't, uh, I know I'm going to date myself, but back when I started, I was on an aircraft carrier with 80-column punch cards, paper cards, <laughs> and that's the only storage you had.
3: It so, was different. It,
2: well, was it wasn't different. But it's, it's been a great, uh, a, a great evolution.
3: Well, Mike Cormacy and Ben Charbonnet, it's always inspiring to hear about cutting-edge technology coming out of South Louisiana and innovation. We know we do food and festivals well. It's important to remember what sort of technological and intellectual capital we have here, too. So thank you all for upping the bar and keep it coming, and thanks for being here on Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you very much. Enjoyed it, definitely. It's delicious. The special today <laughs> is particularly good.
3: It looks wonderful. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Mike Cormacy, president and co-founder of Watch Systems and Offender Watch, and Ben Charbonnet, founder of CMA Technology Solutions. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Rusciutti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford. You can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Manser's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Manser's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForman.com.